Thank you for listening to BLC's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. Well, I'm so glad to be here. For those of you who haven't been part of the party yet and you're just coming to this, these services, it's just been like a big family gathering. I fell in love with South Africa and felt like, you know, sometimes you go to places and, and uh, people are waiting for you to perform. And there's a lot of performance on ministries, period, especially if there's prophetic or worship. It could be Bethany up here in worship. It could be me with the prophetic. And there's been zero performance requirements from not just the team who's hosted, but the people who I've been meeting through the hallways and everywhere else. They're, I mean, usually when people meet me in the hallways, they're like, please tell me what I need to hear. And everyone's just been so loving. and like, thank you for coming and so hospitable and kind and secure, which is huge. People are coming up and, can I give you a hug? Versus, I'm, I'm afraid, you know. It's been so beautiful. And I like that there's so many like real men here. I just have to say it, South Africa. This is like one of the most masculine and a healthy way places I've been. I love it so much. I mean, y'all like pull out beef out of your bag and you're like backpacks and start eating it. It's the best. Like it's so much fun. And Sean uh, Foyt tried to get me to come for a number of years. He's been telling me to come and, and asking me to come. And when we scheduled this, we knew a month after we scheduled it for both of us, or maybe it was two months, it was a terrible timing. And we both were like, Let's get out of this. And then we said, we can't because God's put us here. So we know we're supposed to come. And so both of us had our teams and our worlds and our publishers and every, you know, whatever. He has his, his world, I have my media world. And we both were told by everybody, do not go. And which made me want to come more. Cause then I was like, what's going to happen? And I think it's significant. You know, so I'm really happy. I can say that in being here in the last three days or so, I think we've only been here for three days. It's all a swirl now, but uh, it could have been a month. I don't know. Uh, and being here in the last three days, I've had an encounter with the Lord myself that is really the Lord planting some seeds inside of me. I have two books coming out this year. One is another prayer book that's a follow-up to a breakthrough prayer book. It's Prayers, Prophecies, and Declarations about breakthrough, which I'm teaching about tonight. And I have another prayer or another prayer uh, declaration book coming out again about resources. And then I have another book that's a marketplace book, and I'm writing it with a very wealthy man who has a kingdom root system that's phenomenal. And we're writing a book for marketplace leaders to understand their identity and how to hear from God to create wealth. And both books, I had a re-download of how to write them. And I've been writing since I've been here. I mean, I've, I've written probably 40,000 words in between everything, which is supernatural. You can't do that. And so something about the place, the crisis that you're in as a nation God has so many solutions for because he's birthing a message out of a place where the economy is almost failing. The airline I'm on might fail before tomorrow. Like I might not be able to fly home, you know? Like there's so much happening and failure and God out of this place, we're in a nation that looks one way is saying a different message. And he has a plan right now and a different message and he's birthing a message of wealth creation and of resources in us that we're about to release to the nations. He's birthing it from here. Like there's something that had to be a seed in this from here. And I think that's really incredible because it looks the opposite, but the Lord has a destiny that those who can see what is not as though it is are gonna be happy people right now. 
because something's in the ground and coming in past the two paintings that Lisa painted and just seeing that, you know, you'd see the silver above, which is the heavenly resources coupled with what's in the soil. There's more minerals here in South Africa than possibly seven or eight combination nations together in Africa. There's so much, but there's not been even the technology to get it out yet. And it's coming now. It's coming now. There's turning points in different industries that are coming now. So I want to talk about breakthrough. This is not a buzzword. Um, a lot of times when people come in in the prophetic, these things have been so overtaught or so overhyped. And so I ask you a couple things. Number one is um, because there's <laughs> the prophetic's a mixed bag. A lot of times we have a preconceived idea and we're kind of like, oh, Jesus, he's saying the buzzwords again. Jesus, please take this out of my heart the wrong way because I don't want to listen to this because I hear the buzzword and it never worked for me. And so I prayed it. I did the three magical steps of praying breakthrough. It never happened, you know, whatever. So this word has gone around the body of Christ worldwide. Breakthrough! You know, it's, it's become this thing versus what it really is, which is one of the names of God. Several times in scripture, 14 times in the Old Testament, God was called breakthrough in different ways in Hebrew. And two of them I'm gonna highlight tonight. And it's part of the nature of God to turn things around and allow them to become full. So I'm gonna kind of go through that tonight. And I'm gonna start out with a story that I'll tell you right after I tell you about these. We have a lot of resources. I'm just gonna give these two away. Who leads a prophetic ministry or team that you're doing active training for listening to God? Who's doing active training? The woman right there with the pinup. This is for you. This is translating God in the workbook. This book um, is a love-based approach in theology to the prophetic. The reason why I'm here and the reason why they would want to bring me here as far as a prophetic voice. Thank you so much. Thanks for, oh, thanks for doing that. You get them both. And, uh, and the reason why I would be here is because um, the theology coupled with a gifting I have, I think is the cleanest that you'll get in the prophetic movement because it's based in love. And it's gonna help you stay grounded in truth. And we don't have a lot of weirdness around us. And our teams, the people we raise up, there's such a grounding, there's such a love-based revolution movement in the prophetic to where it feels safe again. Now the prophetic's never truly safe, but you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> it's like it feels like healthy is the best way to say it. So that has a lot of administration for how to administrate your prophetic gift in the workbook. It also has in the book itself stories that are gonna lead you onto a theological and philosophical journey into what prophecy is for in the first place. So we're not teaching that. I taught that at the conference in some different ways. Um, they brought me a coloring book. This is cute. This is, uh, I have Translating God for Kids. It's called Growing Up with God. This is for kids under six. It's a coloring book. So if somebody has kids who are like in a, a program where they're really growing and hungry for God right now, it tells the story that's in the chapter book. The chapter book, these pictures were done by a Pixar uh, intern who is now an animation um, giant. He's just amazing, Lamont Hunt. And so Lamont... Um, uh, did the pictures, and we did them kind of Japanimation slash Pixar style because it's a wide group. I, I don't know why they do six to 12 is the age group for chapter books, which is so diverse. So it was hard to put that all together. But the chapter book is a novel, and I've had a lot of adults and parents read it, and they're like, I was crying all through the novel because it's based on two true stories. Um, both stories are completely true, but told through the eyes of the characters, Maria and Lucas, who are on here. And then that's my dog, Jarvis. He had to show up in the book, you know. And uh, so... If you guys want a great curriculum for your church, for like a, a children's group, for homeschool, if you do that here, I don't know if that's a South Africa thing, but uh, homeschool, or if you just want to take your own kids through it, 
uh, we only get, I've never had a bad report yet. I'm sure there's some out there, but I've never, we've only had the most phenomenal reports of it's like a before and after moment for kids hearing from God and connecting because they start to get the language that their destiny is the people they get to love and their calling is how to get there. And they prioritize that so they learn how to hear from God based on his love inside, not just outside. So it's a really beautiful thing. So does anybody want the coloring book for their kids? I mean, just, why don't I give it to you guys? There you go. And uh, most of our resources are free. We, two or three, two thirds of our resources are free. Has anybody ever heard of Exploring the Prophetic Podcast? Anybody listen to that? Well, not enough of you. So I wanna encourage you, you can get on why I'm talking and I won't judge you for being on your phone in church and get on and subscribe to Exploring the Prophetic. There's over 130 conversations active right now from everybody from prophets around the world to politicians, to actors and entertainers who are sharing how hearing from God has changed their options and has caused great transformation in the world around them. I wanted to prove to the audience that we're teaching to that through interview of the power of story, that God is moving in so many different ways and not one of us can quantify what it looks like. We need all of us to show what it looks like. It's one of the top conversations in Christianity. It's in the top 20 podcasts every week in 36 worldwide markets. And this is a niche subject, prophecy, right? And it's in the mainstream all the time. Like I look at where it, uh, my team will show me the algorithms of where it's at. And I start laughing because we've had 4 million downloads in two years. And it's, it's just crazy that this conversation that there's this much hunger. There's only 700 million Pentecostal charismatics in the world, and this is going into mainstream. So we get, you know, I've met with Presbyterian ministers and Catholics and people who have never heard of this message, but they listen to the podcast. And so I've been meeting with people from around the world, people who are in charge of the Lutheran denomination, people who are in some of the most prestigious churches who are going through transiting God because they heard the podcast once. It's free, you can listen to it every week. We actually have another edition coming called Exploring the Industry, which is also a show on C be a news network, which you could download right now. There's 10 episodes and it's people in the entertainment industry and how God is speaking to them and how their faith makes a difference in the entertainment industry. We also have a TBN show and it's here in TBN Africa as well. And so it's called Translating God. So if you don't have time to read, you can listen to the show or watch the show. And I teach, I do interviews, and then I also give activations or activities for you to do, to think about. And so there's tons of free materials. We also, if you subscribe to our Facebook page, you're gonna get a video every day and some inspirational stuff that comes from me and my friends. And um, so you'll be overloaded and inundated by the time you just do one of them because there's a lot of resources that are free. And I, my heart is to do as much as we can for free because I believe we, we're supposed to be a resource center and make it accessible to everybody. But we do do a paid mentoring online platform. We have South Africans on it right now. It's amazing. And so we, we just launched it. It's kind of in beta. Five videos come to you a week. You start with week one. You get to ask your questions. You see how we mentor people. We do mentoring videos where we're mentoring people on questions. We do um, teaching, and then we also have prophets from around the world sharing their prophetic process through a video, sharing about how they hear from God. We have 300 preloaded videos right now that you can watch five at a time. It'll come to you. We don't, wanna, we don't want you to watch everything at once. So five at a time. We do live webinars once a month with this, and I'm not the only teacher. There's many teachers on the platform, and there's, there's online coaching. So when you're learning how to interpret Revelation, you can get on there. And this is the, one of the only things that we do besides books that cost something because we want 
want you to learn and we also want to develop it really well. So I don't know how much it would be translated into uh, South Africa, but it's $14 a month in, in US. And it's just a beautiful program. If you would need a scholarship and you lead a ministry or a prophetic ministry that you actually lead one, it's not like you want to lead one. We do provide scholarships for people who are saying, we will use this tool. We will be faithful to it. And you can write our office about that as well. Okay, so that's the commercial. I'm from Hollywood. I'm allowed to do that. Everybody who's worth their weight in anything in Los Angeles always has commercials. Okay. So Holy Spirit, we pray that you would rebrand what breakthrough looks like, that you'd show us your nature, God, as the God who breaks through. And I pray for the issues that are most current in our hearts right now, that you would transform our perspective so our prayer life would align in faith with who you say we are. And Lord, we come out of agreement with who we're not. We come out of agreement with the enemy's report over our household, over our churches, over our businesses, over our nation. And we come into your right report and we pray, Lord, as we see your nature through this message and as we see you demonstrate your love, that there would be a new faith for the greater in Jesus' name. So years ago, I moved uh, to Los Angeles to start a church. And I'd shared this a little bit of this at the conference, but not this way. Um, we moved during a great recession time. I had just lost uh, all my own personal, I had a business and all this stuff and I lost everything. I lost all my money, all my properties and everything. I didn't go bankrupt, but I had to sell everything to pay all the other stuff and I ended up with pretty much zero. And I moved to Los Angeles in a time when there was a writer's strike, not only the recession, so no one had worked who's in scripted television for over three or four months when we moved there. And it lasted about a year and a half, the implications of it. And we started an entertainment-based church that reaches the poor. So we were the poor reaching the poor because we had nothing. And there's, you know, about a hundred of us when we first started. I had a team from Bethel. I had a team from Kansas City where I was from. And we moved out together and just started this thing. And it was, and there's a lot of really broken people we inherited from different movements. So it was really hard. And our people, it was so hard that we even had very successful families who lost everything. And there's whole clusters of people living together in small spaces. So we, everybody who had any extra couch, it was being used by someone, including me. I had seven people living with me in one house. And, um, and there was always revolving two or three more that were sleeping on the couch or somewhere just because, and these weren't like people who were just wannabes who moved to LA. These are people who had already been rooted and established, but the floor had fallen you know, out from underneath them. And so it was a really hard time to minister to the poor when everyone was poor. And all of my income, I still created income. All of my income I was creating, I was spending about 70 to 90% to fund the fact that we were starting a church. We didn't go from a movement. Bethel helped launch us. Bill Johnson was extravagant financially towards us, but it wasn't like we were being sent out. They don't plant churches, but they help churches. And so plant... And so we, we were blessed. I mean, Bill would personally like help pay for a team to come down, I think two or three times a year to do training with my leaders. Well, our foundation as a church is because Pastor Bill Johnson and the, the Reading team has loved us well. So it was beautiful. But in the midst of that, it was very hard to build. And I started to get discouraged because I went from never having suffered financially to having complete suffering all the time and inheriting a suffering people and having the, all the people who would have wealth or finances towards us going through their worst recession they'd ever been through. So we moved to LA, which is the easiest city to move in, in uh, you know, during recession time, because it's super cheap. The average, the average um, apartment or house at the time for a one studio apartment uh, was $1,200 US almost anywhere in the city. The average for a one bedroom would be close to 2,000 a month. 
and the average for two bedrooms was about 3,000 a month. So it gives you a picture of how much it's, you know, it's gone up from there. It's even more expensive now. And so you can live in the ghetto and pay um, 3,000 for a, a one and a half bedroom house. And who can afford that, right? Like there's, people think everyone in California is rich, they're not. And so during that time, we had an intercessor from the UK who's a dear friend of mine. We've been friends for, since the 90s. And she called me up and she's one of the most profound people who like, if you ever picture what it's like to be a mystic, to meet face to face with Jesus, that's Liz. Like Liz is a mystical unicorn. Like she, her and Jesus just have a thing going that makes me so jealous that I don't know what to do with Liz. Like she has, and she works with business leaders and marketplace leaders and government leaders and brings them through breakthrough. And she brings them through, we didn't know at the time what to call it, but transformation. They go through internal transformation and they bring external fruit. So during her time during the whole recession period, she's helping people overcome recession. And she calls me up and says, Sean, um, I'm supposed to move to LA to help you guys for a season. God told me he's going to visit me with an encounter that's going to break you guys through. I said, that's awesome. And I, but I was so, I mean, my life was so occupied. I, I traveled full time. I worked from, you know, in LA full time. It was two full time jobs. It was too much. And so she moved there and she started a, a prayer gathering uh, with a few people. And there's one lady in particular who was a leader in the United Nations that they would pray together, a doctor in the United Nations, and who was brand new to our stream. And she, this woman who was the most dignified woman started getting blasted by the Holy Spirit and was not very dignified when it happened. And it really freaked her out. Like she did not like, she loved what she was experiencing, but she didn't like being out of, you know, composure. And so she would try and like, if she started experiencing it, she would run to the bathroom or into a stall and just try and stay away from people because she didn't want to show that she got hit that way. So one morning uh, they were praying and it was the hardest month we had had as a church where there was so much, uh, we had medical issues that there was no coverage for. And so people were like not getting medical coverage for serious conditions and they could die. And I'm the pastor holding on to, you know, we're ministering to you know, 300 homeless people at the time and downtown in Hollywood and we're doing all these different types of things and, and there was just no no reprieve from the need. You know, it was just all need with no resource. And so uh, during that time, Liz had this one prayer meeting. It was uh, um, February of 2000. What does it matter? I can't remember what year it was. it was. I think it was 2008. She had this one prayer time with with this other woman, this doctor, and it was really boring and they just prayed together and they, not much happened and they both had to go. And so they're like, okay, let's go. And when Liz opened the door of the, uh, ho- the apartment that uh, this woman lived in with her husband, um, she opened the door of the apartment and an angel walked in. Now the doctor didn't see it, but she flew back levitation style and hit the wall and fell down and went into a vision that's now changed her life and she's doing with the United Nations and Southeast Asia. It's crazy. But she didn't see the angel. She just felt the angel of the Lord walk in. And Liz saw the angel of the Lord and he said, I've come and my name is Breakthrough. It was the Lord, but it was the Lord's angel, if you know what that means, you know, in the Bible. I've come and my name is Breakthrough. She, she didn't know that term that way. So she said, Lord, here I am. I'm listening. Like, what, what, what? You know, like, what are you doing? And he said, there's Breakthrough coming to the body of Christ. This generation will know what Breakthrough is. For Sean, he's gonna forerun some things. He's going to experience in your little community that you're a part of breakthrough. By the end of next month, everybody will have housing and everybody will have jobs. We were 70% homeless and about 79% jobless in our community because the the entertainment industry was about 70% jobless at the time. 
That's, it was just a crazy time. So she, she hears this. I had a house that was upside down that I had bought. I was able to pay for everything else, but I owed about $180,000 by the time I was selling the house. And when I sold it, I would still have a debt of $180,000. I had no net worth anymore. I had some investments that weren't ready to be turned in. And so I, I just was terrible. I, I'd never come to that point. So I didn't, you know, I wasn't bankrupt, but I was, might as well have been in the sense of I had nothing. And all the money that I was bringing in was just enough to help survival for this whole community. And so the angel told her, I'm going to pay off Sean's debt. And she didn't know anything about it. I'm going to pay off Sean's debt within 48 hours of a house that he has. She didn't know. She never asked. She never knew anything about the house. I didn't tell anyone in the community about the house. It was in another state. And he said, I'm I'm going to bring a significant signpost that even the homeless of the community, everyone will be set in a home. And this will be a sign that breakthrough is here, but breakthrough is coming. And I want to reveal my nature as breakthrough to the body of Christ. But we knew it wasn't time, like it wasn't time for the greater body of Christ, the message. So she called me, and this is important for you to hear. She called me and said, Sean, left a message. I hate messages. I like text. And she left a message that said, I've had a breakthrough. You got to call me now. Basically, I've had the encounter I moved here for. Everything's going to change. We're about to enter into what we hope for. You better call me. Now, I've known Liz, and I've watched her revelation. It's not like a person who just prophesies good things. It's like, you're going to get a breakthrough, and you're going to get a breakthrough. It's not that. It's not like, oh, my bank account didn't change after that, or my family's still screwed up. It's not that. She, when she prophesies things, there's a manifestation. If you ever want to go through, you know, encounter with Jesus School, Liz teaches. Liz Wright is her name. You could look her up online from the UK. Her husband's Wesley. He's in the banking industry. And she teaches and does e-courses that are phenomenal. So... She, Liz has just, you know, called me and I didn't respond when she called. And I waited almost nine or 10 hours and I heard the Lord say, why are you so discouraged that you can't hear my word? And I realized as a mature Christian, a lot of times a mature Christian, dumb, we hide our discouragement with wisdom, but it's not real wisdom. We have things to say that shelter us from partnering to God with faith. And so I had excuses of all the wonderful things I had to do that day. And I just was too busy to call her. And I had, you know, and, and it wasn't probably the, as important as she thought anyways, because she's just interceding. It's not a big deal. And I had all these excuses because I was actually a little afraid to hear because I didn't know if I heard, if I could partner my faith fully to what she said. Because when someone who speaks from, from God and they really hear from God says something over you, there's a testing and a challenging over that in your own faith realm. And I didn't want any more testing or challenges in my faith realm. And so then I had to deal with the fact that I was disappointed and my hope was deferred and I was exhausted. And so I had to start, like in 10 hours, I had to face my own place of where I have run past the grace that God had for me. Somebody can relate to this. Out of disappointment and discouragement, and I loved so much of what was happening, but it was a mixture. I loved so much of what was happening. I was also fundamentally disappointed with what wasn't happening. And I lived in a space of both great faith for many things and no faith for many things. And there's a lot of mature Christians who are living in that space. And God is challenging us. And one of the things that breakthrough does is it causes us to come into fullness of faith, not partial faith. It causes us to have to make a decision. I'm gonna walk away. Do you ever wonder why there's certain leaders in the body of Christ who at one of the pinnacles of their career become backslidden? Because the further you get into obedience with God, it becomes more black and white to choose who you're gonna serve each day. 
It becomes more serious and more identifying. And if you've let things fester in your soul, disappointments, rejection, betrayal, all those kinds of things that happen, the greater levels of authority you get in God, whether it's in business or ministry or whatever else, if you let those things fester, when there's a time of even greater breakthrough, whatever is lacking becomes bigger in your soul than what's in your spirit and you can get taken out. And I was at that place where I was about 50-50, I would say. I mean, I'm just being really vulnerable. I was like 50-50. 50% was in full faith. 50% wasn't. How do you quantify that? I don't know. So finally I call her and I said, hey, Liz, good to hear from you. And I was very like, what's going on? She, and she's thinking, this is so weird. Like one of my favorite people, I'm calling him to give him the word that I moved to LA for. It took us six months to get her there with visas. I moved to LA for it's the best word ever. It has times and stamps on it and he's not caring. So she tells me the word and I listen and I recorded it. I listened. I was, you know, and then I said, thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. And I hung up. So there was no encouragement. No, like, thank you. This is amazing. I can't wait. I hung up and I said, God, Everything in me doesn't believe this is gonna happen. I feel like we have a cancer in our society and we're gonna die, but your spirit's saying we're gonna live, but it feels more like the disease has taken hold than faith has taken hold. And I need you to change my heart right now. And I went into one of the deepest repentances I've ever had in my entire life. Some of you can relate to this. I went into a place of saying, God, in my core being, there's a mixture. If there's a mixture, he, he can only give you so much of a measure. But if there's no mixture, there's no measure. And I realized I had a mixture. I was being sent to Los Angeles to plant ministries that will combat human trafficking, extreme poverty, children at risk, and also minister to the entertainment industry. And I had a mixture in my soul and there's no way I could accomplish what I was gonna accomplish without that moment of repentance. But it says in the Bible that if you repent and humble yourself and repent from your evil ways, God will heal your land. And the first land is here. So I, I repented. I called some of my best friends who are some of my co-leaders and I told them I repented and I told them they need to repent too. Um, you know how only friends can do. And you need to repent too because, you know, like you get excited about, I felt like a new believer. I was like, everyone needs to repent. It's so beautiful. It's awesome. I, I'm free. Like, I don't know if all the breakthrough stuff's gonna happen. No, I do know it's gonna happen. And I had to like, I had to like, you know, change my internal narrative. I had to change my self-talk. You know, self-talk's one of the most damaging things we do. Holy Spirit lives inside of us and he's actually really good at discipling our self-talk, but we constantly don't listen to him and we choose our narrative over his. As a matter of fact, do you know what happens when people get divorced? 90% of the narrative is changed after they get, the week after they get divorced. They forget all goodness. They forget all moments of victory together. They forget everything and they've rewritten the history with a new narrative within one week of the divorce. This is psychology. This is what psychologists will tell you. And because of that, there's, there's brokenness in the family that will last now the rest of life with the children if they have shared children or shared relationships because people don't know how to relate to the new narrative. They don't understand the new narrative. They were never part of how that narrative was formed. And this is what we do in faith all the time or in lack of faith all the time. When we're in disappointment, we rewrite the narrative of God's goodness all along. Part of our hearts is ready for the divorce. Divorce is on our table with God over promises. And this is so huge because if you're gonna see the God of breakthrough, the first place he comes is internal. He transforms you. Holy Spirit comes in the inside out so you can see Jesus and not have doubts in the goodness of his nature. 
That's the first place of breakthrough. So when I came into this, I, I was in a battle in my mind and I was so negative that I went on what I call a negativity fast. Anything that had any remote negativity, no matter how good the discernment or wisdom that can come out of it, I ignored for over a year. So friends would get together in green rooms. And they'd be like, did you hear what happened over here? It was so sad. And it'd be almost like politics. And I'd be like, nope, nope. I just, I filled myself with positivity. If I listened to the news, I'd have to turn it off unless it was good news. And there's not a lot of good news sources. So it was really hard. My friends were not in a positive place. So it wasn't super easy. But the culture I was discipling, we discipled a culture of looking at what God was doing because we had come into such agreement with what he wasn't doing that we had to break a cycle. We had to rewire our neurons. We had to rewire our neural pathways. We had to rewire our spirits and our souls. So the next day, I'm thinking, how in the world would this house project have a miracle? Like, how would this happen? I have no one in my life. I have no investors. I have no financial people who are doing well. I have nobody who could pay this price. So it's gonna have to be an absolute miracle. And some random people who um, had, a house, or had a responsibility in the same area as where my house was, um, they had called me and said, we wanna take over your house process and help you to sell it. And whatever that you're turned over upside down in this, we're gonna pay the difference. But I knew that they didn't have the money for this. And I didn't want $180,000 US is, could take a lifetime. It could take them out for a lifetime. It could take me out for a lifetime. It could, it, it could be a forever thing. So I said, I said, I refused it when they called and told me that. And they said, don't take away our blessing. We know God will do something. They own mattress stores, you know, like um, sleeping mattresses. They own mattress stores. And they said, don't take away our blessing. Now they're big givers. They, they tithe, but they don't make $180,000 profit to tithe a year. That, that's not, I mean, they make good money, but they don't, that's not how much money they have to give. So they said, let us take over. And this is the very next day. Let us take over this house. They had heard from my parents that this was happening. They took it on. And as soon as they took it on, it sold the day after that. Their mattress store, they got records from January. They were completely unaware, but in January, one of the greatest recessions in retail in America of that year, 2008, they had made enough money to give me 10%, which was $180,000. They'd never made that before or since. They're like, we want to give to you again. That was amazing. So I'm like, oh, this is getting good. Like it's happening. And then we start just getting phone calls and texts. I got a job, I got a job, I got a job. It was like four to seven people a day. I got a job, I got a job, I got a job, I got a job, I got a job. And they weren't anyone's dream jobs, right? But they were jobs. The average Starbucks during that time had two to 400 uh, applications just for a Starbucks. The average, any kind of job, our unemployment rate was so high, any kind of job had, I mean, up to a thousand applications a quarter. It was just crazy. So the fact that our people were being chosen for jobs was a huge sign because it all happened at once. By the end of March, and we had testimony week every week because you know, I'd live share about the whole thing. And every week from then I said, we're gonna highlight what God's doing. We know what he's not doing. We're gonna highlight what he's doing. But I didn't know that that would be the whole service. So we'd worship and then people would come up and tell almost like well-crafted TED Talks. They would tell on accident though, like they weren't planning it. They would tell these amazing stories and we would all cry and it kept growing and then more people would come and then people who weren't part of us like we'd start growing to like we're maximum capacity. We had a fire marshal who's a part of us. It only fit 225 to 227 people in the room and, he, and there'd be like 300 and 400 people. And so he would say, I can't come here anymore, but I'm not gonna shut it down. But it's against the law for me not to shut this down. But I can't shut down what God's doing, but I can't be here because I feel convicted. So I'm just gonna leave and close my eyes. 
I would have to make like 50 of my leaders leave because people were coming in and we had hundreds and hundreds of people. They said, go there and you'll get a work contract. Go there and you'll get a place to live. Go there. So then our homeless community started to come to the services as well. One of them, he came for about three months before this and he came, we had a cafe right outside where the church met and he would come to the cafe and he would disprove, uh, he'd come to disprove the theology. He was cessationist. And so he was an apologetics guy from before. He was a theologian back before he was homeless and drug, drug addicted. And now he wasn't drug addicted anymore, but he had um, permanent disabilities. And so he lived on the streets and he was praying for a house. He was praying for something, but the doors would open to the cafe uh, into the sanctuary and he would sit there because the bus ride he would take or the ride he would get wouldn't be until after the service. And so he'd have to sit and listen to us. So he's listening to all these testimonies the whole time. At that point, every single homeless person got into permanent housing, but him. So he's hearing their stories. They're coming up and they're like, I was just offered a house by someone in social services. I have my own bathroom. I never thought I'd have permanent housing in my entire life. And it was crazy. So this guy, Wayne, he's listening to this and he walks with a walker and he has so much pain in his body. And he's hearing that we had about uh, 150 healings too as well. People were getting healed of radical things like, you know, um, um, rheumatoid arthritis and, and juvenile arthritis. And we had juvenile diabetes being healed, like crazy stuff was being healed. So he's hearing this, and, but he doesn't believe in it. So the last night of that, you know, the, the word happening, he was the only one who didn't have a house, but I didn't even consider him because he hates us. And I just thought, of course he doesn't have a house. He's not in faith for any of this. But every single person I said, I need you that night. I said, I need you to raise your hand if you still need a job. And no one raised their hand. Everybody just freaked out and started crying and screaming because this was a jobless area and everybody had a job. I said, how many of you are walking in an income that you, you didn't dream you'd be walking in right now? And it's 50% of the room was walking in like an advanced income, not a retracted income. I said, how many of you still need a house? Not one person was couch surfing anymore. I went, what is happening? It was so radical. And these are like 19-year-olds and 25-year-olds who, you know, they didn't have the ability to even know how to interview. There was no one teaching the skills for the jobs they were getting. It was wild. So Wayne's listening to this and he's like, okay, God, if you're with these young people and maybe I'm wrong, then you would give me a house tonight. And one of the girls who's a social worker walks past him. She talked to him one time. She's new to us. She walks past him and she goes, oh, Wayne, I talked to social services, Department of Social Services. We have this brand new home for people who are handicapped, homeless people who are not on drugs and not on whatever. And I talked to him about you and there's a house and it's right, literally the front door goes to the bus stop and the house is in this part of town and it's everything he'd ever wanted. She goes, and I think I can get you in by tomorrow. That's where he still lives. Well, he passed away recently, but he, that's where he still lives in town now. And so it was crazy. So he just starts crying because he's like, there's a bus stop in front, which is his dream because he loves to go all around the city. He's like, really? And she goes, I can get you on the program. Now realize we had about 400 people for one slot of a program at that time. Now we have more 2,000 for one slot. But it's 400 people for one slot and he got the slot because this girl had favor. So then he's the next uh, week, he wants to come back to our meeting because now he's a believer. <laughs> and... And he realized he's never saved. He had a theology degree and he's never saved. So he's realizing he gets out of the bus and he has to go home and do whatever he has to do. And then he's going to come back to the meeting as a Tuesday night. And he gets out of the bus and his walker just fell apart in front of him and it just broke. And the bus took off and there was no one to help him. And he was calling out, please, someone help me. And he's like, like about to fall. And then all of a sudden he goes, wait a minute. The God of those young people that I've accepted into my life, Jesus, he heals 
And you wouldn't, you wouldn't give me a house without giving me the ability to walk to it. So he goes, God, if you're really breakthrough, I invite you to break through. And he hears, take a step. And he's like, I can't take a step. And then all of a sudden he started falling. And then he goes, no, I can take a step. And he picked himself back up and he took a step. And then another, and then another, and then another. And he walked to the door. And for the rest of his life, he never took insulin again and he never had a walker again. And he lived into his late 70s. Now here's the deal. He came to the meeting that night. He was the last one who was totally healed and was ready to live again. And it was so profound. I said, God, you've even placed our homeless and families. You've placed the lonely in a place of love. And it was so profound. So I've been consumed with what God looks like as a breaker, what he looks like in breakthrough. Because here's the deal. When you look at, and let me just take you here to go to the scripture real fast, even though I'll paraphrase most of it. In 2 Samuel 5.20, David goes to Belperazim. Now this is the place where Philistine kings are coronated. And when they die, they're heralded as Baals or gods. And they're worshiped. So when you were a warrior and you wanted to win a battle, you would go, as far as a Philistine, you would go to Belperazim and you would worship in an altar and even sacrifice babies at the altar to get power and strength to become a greater warrior. So this is one of the most demonic places there is in the land. And they'd never lost a battle in Baal Perazim. There's no one who'd ever defeated the Philistines there in history. David, it gets filled with the power of the Lord and has his greatest victory, one of the greatest ones he's ever had in the Valley of the Giants, it's called the Valley of the Baals. Why he's there and has that victory, he says, I'm going to call my God, he names God, I'm going to call my God Baal. It's the only time God was ever called after a pagan God, Baal Perazim, or the God who breaks through like waters break through into land and cannot be stopped because my God is so huge that he made your giants look like puny. Now realize this is the nature of breakthrough. My God is so huge that the enemies of the land look puny. This is where we haven't gotten. How many giants are you facing right now that look so huge and God doesn't look bigger in your faith yet? This is the place of maturity. This is the valley of maturing. This is the valley that everything either happens or is broken. And we hate these moments. We hate, we hate the, 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 the big moments that are defining moments because we want everything to work practically and normally. But we've asked God for an unusual journey of faith. We've, had, we've said yes to it. We've, we've said we would do anything for him. We've surrendered everything to him. And then when we get to the point where he's taken us through a process that only he can take us and we're facing the biggest things we've ever faced, many of us in that moment tremble and say, I'll never get past this. But David looked at it and said, I don't care that there's never been a victory here. And I don't care that this is where demons are coronated. And I don't care where the, the, this is where giants are formed. I'm gonna have a victory there for my God and he's gonna make their gods look puny. He burst through my enemies like a raging flood. Can you imagine? Sometimes we, we get confused about God and we think, you know, even this scripture, like people wonder, why did, why did he say Baal? Because he said, he's the biggest Baal of them all. There's no one like him. He was actually saying so that future Philistines can relate and actually see who God really was. I'm gonna skip some things. 
when we learned in that season about breakthrough, I had kidney stones um, 10 times um, during that year. And I had, I just overcome a parasite where I was on hospice and was dying just a few years before. So my system was pretty broken. And so the fact that I had kidney stones, no one in my family has kidney stones. I had kidney stones and they would hit on meeting nights or conferences. And I would press through and do events anyways, although I'd have to like run to the corner and groan in pain. But this one night I couldn't do it. And we had just started an internship, a social justice internship. And you guys know Brian Turwalt? Brian and Katie Turwalt from Jesus Culture. Some of you have heard of them. And, um, and Brian came to our social justice internship. And so the man who led our worship team uh, normally, and this was at the time, this was one of our kind of our smaller meetings. So it was in our house, about 100 people in our house. And I slept upstairs in the house. And so I, I ended up just staying upstairs because I was in so much pain, I couldn't move. We had a urologist in our church and he would come check on me regularly. And he's just like, I don't know what's happening with your system. We can go through like all kinds of procedures. I had the, the ultrasound stuff that burst them apart, didn't work, all this stuff. So I was just passing kidney stones all the time. And so I was up in my room and, and it'd been a year now that I had chronic kidney stones, which is... If you've ever heard, uh, if anyone's ever told you, my wife wouldn't agree, but doctors will tell you it's worse than childbirth. Uh, my wife wouldn't agree at all, but she did have epidural, so I don't believe her. Because um, there's no epidural for kidney stones. Um, but uh, this particular night, the worship leader it was in a really bad place and his guitar strings all broke on his guitar. And he just kind of was like, I need a break. And so I'm not gonna lead worship. And so my associate leader was like, no problem, we love you. If you need some time, it's okay. And Brian had just got there and he said, hey, I play guitar and I could probably help lead. And I had known that, but I wasn't there downstairs to help orchestrate that. So the, the team's like, okay, why don't you lead some songs? Well, the first song and the only song that he sang was a song that no one had heard yet that only a few worship leaders had heard because they were friends with John Mark McMillan. And John Mark McMillan wrote the song, you know, he loves us. He loves us. Oh, how he loves us. And when you have someone like Brian sing it, it's like heaven just came, you know? And so they're singing it, and I've never, I've heard the song from John Mark, but I didn't know anyone else knew this song because I, I used to do some stuff with Louis Engel and John Mark back in Charlotte. So I was like, okay, wow, this song's traveling, okay. And I'm listening to it, I'm just like, this is good. And at the time, I was watching the news and just trying to be distracted because I was in so much pain. And I turn it off, and I'm hearing them, and it becomes like amplified. We don't have a sound system in that room, and it becomes like amplified. And all of a sudden, I notice there's a man standing next to me. And I thought somebody had come up and was gonna pray or something or whatever, but I was in bed. Like I was literally had the door locked and I was in bed. And I look over and I'm like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh my gosh, this is Jesus. And I pull my covers up, like I'm gonna cover my nakedness or whatever. I'm like, oh. And I, I had never seen him this way before. And it was an open vision. He was really right there. And I didn't understand how I would, I knew it was him other than spirit. And he was dressed very like biblical characterish, which I've never had that happen. Like a lot of prophets see like the biblical characters. He was a very like Middle Eastern biblical character. And he had a fire in his eyes that scared me so bad that I wouldn't open my eyes again. It was scarier than what little kids say, you know, the monster under their bed looks like, but it was beautiful, scary. So I, I looked at him and I, I only saw him once because I couldn't look at him again. And I was so overwhelmed. And I noticed that I had no pain in my body. And I'm like, wait a minute, what's happening? So I'm, I'm just so in shock that there's no pain that I'm almost like not aware that he's still there. I mean, he's just so, and I hear him and he says, I am the breakthrough. And I'm chilling out. I'm just like the whole thing, like, oh my gosh, he spoke and I didn't die. 
And then he says, I didn't just come as a deliverer to deliver you from. And I start to see everyone who's downstairs that I have a connected love to and then everyone who's in my life. And I began to intercede for about 30 minutes and they're still singing the same song for the whole 30 minutes. And I'm praying for my drug addicts and you know, rehab. I'm praying for our leper colony that we minister to. I'm praying for the children at risk. I'm praying for my parents. I'm praying for family and everything anybody would need deliverance from, health issues, financial issues. I'm in intercession like I've never, I felt the most empowered prayer. I wish I could go back to that place and do it all the time. And I think we can, but it was not the same when Jesus is standing there. And so, and he goes, but I, and he says, I didn't come just to deliver you from, but the response of him saying that caused me to pray for things I've never known how to pray for before with any authority. And then he says, but I came to deliver you in two. And I realized that the majority of the church is in such a survival mode that we don't even have a vision for what the promised land is. We're trying to get the breakthrough to get out of Egypt. We're trying to get the breakthrough to just get over something. We're trying to get the breakthrough to have our families just restored. But what happens when that's all done? And we were experiencing in our movement, we were experiencing that all that was done. Like I was making finances again. All of my people were in jobs. All of our health issues were getting healed. I just personally got healed in that moment. And I started to weep for all that the father had in store for us to walk in. And I was like, I've never thought of this in the book of Revelations chapter two and three. He gives us promises to those who overcome and the overcoming he's referring to is the same overcoming of the children of Israel who crossed the Jordan. And when they crossed the Jordan, they become something else. The manna stops. You know, the sources of provision stop because now they're gonna eat from the fruit of the land that God's given them. I'm healed, I stand up, I get, he disappears. I'm healed, I stand up, I get dressed. I'm weeping, I'm not a weeper, I'm not a crier. John, I love your sensitive heart. Every time you come up here, the Lord just touches you and you just cry some more, I love it. I'm not that person. You can tell me the most tragic news and I'm the rock. I'm like, okay. Every once in a while, I'll cry, mostly because of the goodness of God, not as much of the tragedy. And I'm good in crisis because I can go into crisis and I don't get PTSD afterwards. I've been in war zones, all these places. And I leave and I still get, my heart's tender and I still am broken and in pain, but my emotions aren't the responder for it most of the time. I've been through therapy, so it's not, it's not bad. You know, it's like, it's just, I'm in perpetual therapy, so I'm not like just so broken that I can't feel. I do feel crying's not the response. But I was wailing uncontrolled. I could barely put my pants on. And I don't know what they were thinking when they heard me scream crying coming down the stairs. It was such a scene. And Brian's like, he loves us. Oh, wow. You know, and I'm coming down the stairs and I pushed him out of the way. And he goes, thank you. I keep playing. He's come to play. And I couldn't say it because I was crying so hard. I couldn't get words out. All I said was not to deliver us from, but to deliver us and to get a vision. And as I said that, everybody starts wailing and we start to repent of survival mode Christianity. And we start to embrace an overcomer. But realize we couldn't get to that place of repentance until he restored us. He had restored us to the point that we were ready to repent. Bill taught about it this morning for those of you who were here. His goodness was so good that I couldn't let a lack of faith occupy my soul because it would have been like punching him in the face with what he did on the cross because I was under such conviction by his goodness and an undeserved way in a culture that wasn't experiencing his goodness, I was experiencing his goodness. And even our poverty-stricken Kenya kids and 
we had kids in Rwanda and places at the time were experiencing the same breakthrough, though they weren't in the meetings, they weren't whatever, they were having the same kind of breakthroughs. And I looked at the world that he was building around us and I was like, I just can't imagine not believing for your fullness. And everything that was in me that was hurt or wounded, those things that, you know, it says in Psalms, the tears that we all cried, he stored up to pour back on us as treasures. And I remember just saying, God, Micah 2.13, it says, one will go ahead of you and break open the way. It's another name. It's, it's the name of God. He is your breaker. And he's already going ahead of you and he's breaking open a way. Just like Joseph, when Joseph was in Potiphar's house, God was breaking a way open for him in the dungeon before he got there. He prepared a place of favor, but it was not his goal. God had as his goal that he would be the Israelite representative to sustain his people so they would not die. The strategy was weird because he basically sold them into indentured servitude for 400 years, but it actually caused them to be sustained. Some Israelites might've looked at that and said, Joseph's the worst thing that ever happened to us. But those who understood how bad it was gonna get that they would have all died and perished without Joseph being in that position understood, thank God. Thank God that Joseph's in Pharaoh's house. One goes and creates a story. I love Romans 8, 28, because we just experience it so much. We experience it so much that someone who never cusses, I'm gonna, I'm gonna share this, I'm sorry if there's kids here. Jennifer Toledo, who's one of our pastors, who's one of the cleanest hearted, purest people. I'm her friend, I'm with her all the time behind the scenes. Her husband's my best friend. I've never heard her cuss. And she gets up in the church service and she says, you know what God's doing? He's making the enemy our bitch. There was just no other word for it. And if that offends you, I'm really sorry. But it, it, there's no other word. Sometimes there's, you know, did you know Paul said the equivalent to shit twice in the Bible? I'm not a cusser. I don't cut. This is the most cussing I've done in a year. But, but she said, the Lord has made everything the enemy meant for bad is he's having to come back and serve us. He humiliates the enemy. I think David said it more eloquently when he said, my God has made your gods look puny. That's a nicer way to say it. I might've lost like 20%, but it's okay, you know. Let me wrap this up. I might've lost my relationship to South Africa. You guys are like, no, you guys are pretty crude. I love it. I just want to read what breakthrough is, and we're going we're to end with this little sentiment. It's like one more little string of thoughts here. And um, breakthrough means a sudden, dramatic, important discovery, development, or an instant of achieving success in a particular sphere of activity. That's the English version of what breakthrough means. So we see the theme of breakthrough everywhere in society. Everyone understands breakthrough. So scientific breakthrough, an entertainment breakthrough, a financial breakthrough. We all, it's a language that God knew. If you put his name on it, everyone would understand for the rest of the time. It's one of the only names that he said, besides healer and deliverer, it's one of the only names that not only Christians need this, but everybody needs breakthrough. Everybody's looking for the greater. They're looking for what they were made for to come into fullness. That's what breakthrough is about. It's not just coming a little bit, but it's coming to fullness. And so breakthrough is a huge deal. And we see how in our generation, there's been so many unusual breakthroughs. We have a child who's like 22 years old or whatever, who became a billionaire on Instagram named Kylie Jenner. We have 
an author who wrote a series of books called Harry Potter who became a billionaire and has given over a billion dollars away to the poor. We have a man who's a complete nerd and socially inept to some degree named Bill Gates who became a billionaire by creating software that we never thought we'd have our own computers. Remember when computers were like this whole room? Some people are like, no, you weren't old enough. Don't call us boomers. I'm, a, I'm not a boomer. Okay, boomer. We've had unusual breakthroughs in individuals' lives and also in industries. We've had breakthroughs in the view of slavery. We now can count that there's more slaves on the earth right now than there has been in history. There's a black market slave industry I've seen the videos of in several countries here in Africa that you could watch people who are being sold through videos. It's kind of like a YouTube of slavery. We were shown it by the local FBI. They showed us what it looked like. And, there, and there's tens of thousands of slaves listed. There's more slaves now on the earth than there ever has been in history, but we have the most awareness of it and there's more causes against slavery and there's people who are believing that in our lifetime, it can be healed. There's never been a generation that believed in the eradication of extreme poverty could happen in their lifetime. If you ask seven out of 10 people on the earth right now, including those who are in poverty, believe it will happen in their lifetime, which means within 20 years. The only place that extreme poverty won't be healed is when there's corrupt government systems, but everywhere else there will be full feeding because there's new food sources. There's already food sources that cost 12 cents or less uh, a day for people to eat that are coming out, that just have come out in the last three years, that have full nutrients, vitamins, proteins, everything else. We're in a breakthrough season, but the church has lacked faith more than any other season of our life. We need to have eyes to see what God's doing. And it starts with personal ownership of recognizing what's not in alignment here. Letting Holy Spirit show you what's not in belief. Because you know where faith is? It actually occupies the same space that we give unbelief and fear. So the more unbelief, we only have so much space. We only have so much capacity that we were made for. And if we have unbelief and fear in there, that's why we don't have faith in there in fullness. Because they can't, they can't, coexist. We've been learning how to surrender more and more and more our fear. It's been so beautiful because the opposite of fear is faith. The opposite of, you know, hate is love. And so to surrender feelings of disappointment, feelings of disillusionment and surrendering those to God, watching God do miracles and then going even deeper than what you surrendered and pulling out a root system of disappointment out of mature believers is one of my favorite things I've seen God do. And I've only seen it for the last few years happening. And this is the season of South Africa that needs the greatest breakthrough possibly in history because there's more at stake now. It doesn't mean that there wasn't worse issues before. There's more at stake for the future of South Africa right now than there ever has been. And God has not changed the nature in how he comes. He wants to come as breaker. He wants to come as breakthrough. And it's personal, but it's corporate. Let me just get to the the very end of this, which is I want to, I want to read. I have a, the Breakthrough Prayer Book and I just want to get it open. I want to read one of them over you. Why don't we all stand? I feel like there's, um, there's a theme over resources that I feel like God's going to prove in his goodness and restore. Just like in us, when it was an uncommon time to be restored, he restored us. 
And so I'm going to pray this, uh, or I'm going to share this prophecy over breakthrough, over um, resources, if I can, or finances, if I can find it here. I just want you to close your eyes. I know it's hot, but just stay focused. Call yourself to attention and listen to this. It's from God for you personally. And I want you to think of one or two points and ways you're going to apply it to your faith after I read it. You will know God as the God who has broken through in your finances and resources. You will know God as the God who's broken through. This is a prophecy. You're going to look back and you're going to say, I know you in a way I never knew you. It looked hopeless or hard. It looked like it never come into fullness, but I see you in finances and resources. He is giving you keys to open doors in your company, your industry, your business, your family, your ministry that only you have access to. God has designed you to carry authority to see what he's doing, what he is promoting and what he wants to release. He is removing false systems of operation that are man's way and you are his child. You will reveal his ways. He will shut doors in front of you that are old and rusty, that are immoral and that are letting unrighteous prosper. You have the keys to pray these doors closed, not just open new doors. He will lead you to pray for the shutting up of where the enemy has tried to use prosperity for his own means. His spirit is coming on you to give you insight, wisdom, and clarity. You will look at closed doors and immovable problems, but because of the keys you hold, they will open and they will move for you. People will notice this movement. They will notice this authority. They will be drawn and many will come and want to be around you, to work with you, to purchase or use your services to go to your services. You have keys to doors right now, now, now. (laughs) I wish I would have written that for the South African version, now, now. And as you learn your authority, and as he places within your calling, you will open doors you could have never opened without accessing your relationship with him. This will cause many people around you to wonder how you got to where you are. They will marvel at what God has done for you, and they will know you couldn't have accomplished it without him, and their jealousy will cause them to see God. Holy Spirit, I pray for the spirit of breakthrough. I pray, Jesus, that you would come and stand in our family and in our midst as breakthrough. The one who doesn't just deliver us, but he delivers us into our promised land. I pray, God, that you would put the hope of the promise in front of us. Jesus, you are the hope of our calling. And everything that you do, we know you want to do in our lives. Lord, we come out of agreement with disappointment. Even if you can only do it by an act of your words, just do it. I come out of agreement with disappointment. Even if your heart doesn't feel it, declare it. I come out of agreement with unbelief. I come out of agreement with fear. I come out of agreement with disappointment to the degree that it comes out of my foundation, God. And I ask you to fill me with your spirit of breakthrough. Now, some of you are going to have a marvelous turnaround and you'll be a signpost to others who are still waiting. When someone has a breakthrough around you, here's the theme. My breakthrough is your breakthrough. When someone has a breakthrough, you need to hear it with new ears. You need to hear it when somebody has something crazy good happen. You need to hear it with new ears and say, because it happened to them, my father is no respecter of persons. Now look at me for a second. Look at me. I have a good dad. He brought my sister home one day. They went shopping. It wasn't a birthday. It wasn't Christmas. And they bought a ton of clothes. And we were in a financial hard time as a family. And she needed new clothes. And so he was a good father. He went on a father-daughter date. And he bought her clothes. 
And I said, this is awesome. Jennifer and I are like best friends. So she showed me all that she got. And I was so happy for her. I said, dad, how much did it cost? And he goes like $220, which is a lot of money for us then. That was so much money. I couldn't believe he felt free to even do that. Like that he just was so extravagant, not on a special occasion. And I said, that's awesome. Do you have the receipts? He goes, yeah, why? Here, and he showed, he showed me the receipts. And I go, and I grab him and I go, because this is how much you have to spend on me now. <laughs> or else you don't love me as much as Jennifer. He used to call us turkeys. He goes, you little turkey, you got me. Now, I had the same amount of money, but I spent mine on video games. And on, I think, a new soccer ball or something. Because, you know, I'm not going to buy clothes. I didn't care. I could have one outfit and be happy as a child, you know. Some of you have stood in front of, and he's, God's appointed you to be in front of, greatness. People who've come in like Pastor Bill Johnson people who've come in and told you the story of their life, people who have sown their ministry, pastors who've laid down their lives, stories that you were blessed to even hear in the first place, but you never held the receipts. Oh, it makes me sad for you. You've never held the receipts. And your father's in heaven going, I will give you the same thing. Hold the receipts. You can listen and be entertained. Or you could be like Habakkuk. Lord, I stand in all of your deeds. Renew them in my day. I want you to think of four or five amazing stories of breakthrough right now. Just think of them, finances, health, whatever it is, just that you've been exposed to. It could have been someone that none of us know, but you saw it happen for them. And I want you to look at it differently right now. And I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to tell the Father, I'm holding the receipts. Maybe it's what he's doing in America. And you're saying, I've seen it in America, God. What can you do here? You better hold our receipts. God doesn't love America more than you. God's speaking. Listen. These are the moments. This is when he deposits a seed of faith. Listen. Lord, we come out of second-class citizenship right now. We come out of subservient servitude, and we come into sonship. Jesus said, you'll do greater things than me. Hold my receipts. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to have you sit down for just a minute. I'm going to do a couple little words that I just had as I'm walking around. Does anybody feel receipts in your hand, in your heart? A young man uh, who was healed last night, he said, I didn't feel worthy of the healing. Remember that? Good young man. He's awesome. I just thought, some of us don't feel worthy. He died to make you worthy. And he said, greater things you'll do. Okay. <laughs> I feel... Um, 
if I'm supposed to pray for people who are starting businesses, and it could have been the last couple of years, not just now, but you're starting business, you're still in it. It's not something that failed or something that you've laid down, but you're still in the business somehow. And you're either, it's a future plan that's about to start or it's something from the past, but it's not a failed attempt. It's something you're actively doing. And I just say that because some people want to resurrect something and it's not about that right now in this moment. It's about something you're already Just stand up if you're in the overflow rooms or if you're in here. And I, I kept, one of the things I kept seeing is, um, somebody who I feel like you're a woman who um, you, you're starting like headwear. I, I think it's like, uh, if that makes sense to anybody at all, you can come even if you're in the overflow room, they'll let you in and you can come in here if you're starting some sort of headwear company. Uh, maybe it's like, I don't they're not called turbans, but the African wear, if that makes sense to somebody, but um, we'll let them make their way in here. But I feel like um, we're supposed to pray for you for the unusual favor of God. And I, I see already resting on you. How many of you, um, ha, does any of this business for any of you who are standing in here have to do with real estate? Is there any real estate? Good. Quite a few of you. There's a, there's a land anointing. And in these times of recession, God restructures agreements of land and he breaks covenants that have been generational. And God is gonna come and do some things on lands that are spectacular and it's a good time to be in real estate, even though it's a really hard time to be in real estate as well because there's miraculous properties and there's miraculous finances for properties and things are gonna happen now that set people up for the future, even for churches, ministries, families, all kinds of things. So first I pray, Lord, for the real estate, especially over South Africa, but anywhere else, that there'd be an anointing to help people possess their inheritance and be rooted in the lands, whether it's businesses and commercial or it's residential and private. I pray that you would lead us to lands that have never been available until now to help us to be the brokers of those lands. But I pray if there's been resistance already in the real estate, I pray that you would use them. And even this week and this month, give them a favor assignment that they knew only came from you. It didn't come from their network, it came from yours. I pray for signposts. Those who have faith, it's gonna happen to you a signpost of faith, something that doesn't come from your network, that comes from God's network, that's easy. I speak ease over you. One of the words for grace is easy. Is someone starting like um, something about, um, I, don't know, I don't know what it is. It's like with cell phones and I don't, it's not SIM cards, but it's like um, something that has to do with cell phones and technology. A couple of you are. What is yours? Payment? Transactions, I like that. Is it app-based or? And then uh, this guy back here, what is yours? He's gonna give you a mic. Golf coaching apps. Golf coaching apps? That's amazing, I love that. We just had a PGA golf instructor. His wife took a job as our children's pastor and I've always hated golf. And in the last six months, I've been like, I'm gonna play golf really bad. And he moved in and like, I'm gonna give you free golf lessons. I'm like, yes, that's nice. Um, I'm just telling you my personal breakthrough. That's my personal breakthrough. <laughs> Hold my receipt. Um, I'm going to speak first over this one right here. First of all, I just feel like um, the Lord has is, is honored your purity and he's honored your um, uh, doing things differently than a lot of your friends and family and making some really strong decisions to walk with him. And it's been a little bit of aloneness in walking with him this way. But I feel like this next season, the aloneness is over. And the next season is a season of what he's been planting in your spirit, what you've been praying for and how you've been serving so diligently other people. I, I hear the Isaiah 65 scripture where it says, no longer will you build other people's houses that they will live in, but it's time to build your house that you will live in. And that's a sign of the new heavens and the new earth. 
And this season you're coming into, I feel like 2020 was a crossing over, that you're coming into a time that it's now about personal building. And not only will he bless this app, but he's gonna give you some other ideas that this app is gonna spring from. And there's four or five streams of revenue through these kinds of things that are gonna come in, not just this project. And I feel like there's already big contenders in this space, but favor causes you to go above a contender. And so I feel like the Lord's just giving a promise that he's gonna do something that's really supernatural for you. And that there's something inside of you that because you paid a price, it's his joy to do it as a father for you. So I speak over you right now that what he told you about two years ago uh, in March, he told you something. It was around April or March. He spoke to you and gave you a vision for your life. And uh, he did something then that he's now going to do. You thought it was going to happen right away, but it's going to, it's now, it's 2020. Does it make sense? It's 2020. It makes perfect sense. It's 2020. It's going to happen now. The delay is worth it because he worked it. He worked it for those whole two years or more than two years so that it would happen uh, the right way. And you just thought it was right away, but he was actually showing you how good he is and how much he's prepared you, but he's prepared the other side as well to come together this way. Bless you. I think it's awesome. And then the, the golf guy, um, I, it's funny because I feel like I see you holding an app, but I see you looking at investment charts on the app. And I feel like in algorithms and um, I feel like the Lord is uh, gonna put some people around you who help you to read um, algorithms and social media and how to invest in this app and how to bring it into markets. Because I see a lot of social media ads and I see marketing that you've never maybe done this way before. And I feel like the Lord's saying, I have a guerrilla marketing plan and I feel like I want you to dominate a space that he's giving you, but it can't happen without the power of marketing. And he's opening your eyes tonight to see that you need partners. And it's not necessarily business partners who are like partnered in financially, but you need partners who would be marketing partners. And he's giving you anointing to see it, you're going to feel a gap. You're going to feel like this will never come into its fullness unless I have this because now I see it. And there's uh, social media marketing. I feel like he's saying he's sending somebody who's like um, at the top of their field to come help you out of a spirit of camaraderie and friendship. They're building something to you're building. And I feel like because of this, that uh, the, the cost per conversion or to get someone to see your app is going to be so low. And I feel like you're going to, um, you're going to have brilliance over marketing campaigns and you're going to have so much fun doing that. It's going to perpetuate some greater ideas that have been in your heart all along. Does that make sense? Good. Did my, did my turban lady come at all? Did the lady, I just wanted to find out if she came. Um, okay, well, that's okay. And uh, Daryl, were you standing for this too? Were you standing for the real estate part? You don't know. Not yet. Because um, I, I, do you guys own a home yet? Um, do you have any investment homes? Well, that's a good word. Uh, here's what I heard the Lord say when you're standing up here in front of your church. I felt like the Lord said when he was younger, he knew he could have had an opportunity somewhere else, but he decided to bloom in the country he was planted. And I feel because you said yes to the Lord here, he's given you an authority. You could have had an easier on-ramp somewhere else, but you have an authority here that you wouldn't have had there. And I feel like the Lord's saying, because of that, you're about to manifest this authority and you're coming from being the big brother to being the spiritual father. And even with your newest baby, I know you have two babies because that's your wife, your newest baby, Lucy, I feel like the Lord, when he had me praying for you and I was praying that you would have a vision that every resource your children would need that he's given you the ability to provide for. And part of the way he's given you the ability to provide for it is there's a real estate anointing. You're gonna have multiple properties, but there's also other business ventures that you're gonna start to help steer marketplace groups. I see miracles 
miracles in the marketplace, miracles in the marketplace around you. And I feel like the Lord's saying, even though you don't have like this active baller business, you have a revelation anointing for business leaders. And I feel like he's gonna put you into places that at first you're gonna help cultivate something, but secondly, they're gonna have you buy in or give you investment. And I feel like the Lord's saying, this church is gonna be given stocks. This church is gonna be given ownership. That there's business leaders who are saying, I can't tithe you right now because of where the climate is, but I can give you ownership. I can give you stocks. I can give you investment. And you're gonna have a signpost this year of several people who submit stocks or investments to you as a church. And I feel like, Daryl, the Lord's saying, I've given you the spirit of fathering that if you had gone somewhere else, it would have only been ministry. But because you stayed here, it's the authority to do the fullness of the call that's inside of you, to be an apostle in the marketplace, but to be an apostle in ministry as well. And I feel like the Lord's saying, well done for choosing rightly, because many people will go where it's easy, but they'll be uh, in, a, in a bigger pond and be a smaller fish. And the Lord was saying, uh, it would have been too small a thing for you to be a small fish. So thank you, Jesus, for his choices. Thank you for what he said yes to. I feel like um, there's somebody in one of the overflow areas and there's a, there's a coffee shop kind of thing that you're doing. Uh, not just coffee shop, but you're making, a, uh, you're making a coffee product brand. You're creating a brand. And if that's you and you're in the other room, is there anybody in here too, just in case there's you guys, and I'll pray for you as well, but I feel like there's also someone outside and I feel like uh, they need to come in. So if they, if they come forward, it's not just a coffee shop, it's a brand and it's a roastery and stuff. I see like a roastery. Um, you guys, uh, I feel like as soon as you raise your hand, I, I, I feel like um, the, the, um, the pressure cooker of this dream is about to whistle. And, uh, and what that means is, have you seen a pressure cooker where you put the food in and you wait and you wait and you wait and then all of a sudden it's done, it just whistles? I feel like you guys have been in a pressure cooker that you've taken on a huge bite towards a dream and that there's no way for it to happen in the stage it's out right now with God to come fully through. But here's the thing is that he authored it inside of you. And I see he authored it about six years ago, but there's something about two years ago that was one of the first real bite-sized pieces that that was the greater faith for it. And so if, if that's true at all, it helps you to believe for what's gonna come over the next two years because there's actually land, uh, coffee land, and there's property that God is stamping approved. And I see there's um, even contracts that he's saying, revisit and look at. And he's going to, like, there's a reevaluation of your dream. I feel like if you went to Shark Tank right now and pitched the sharks, you know, like the, what Dragon's Den or whatever you guys have over here, and you pitch, the, you pitch them, they would look at you and go, your evaluation of what God's put inside of you is too low. Like they were, instead of saying, oh, that's too high. You guys have a way overestimation. It's too low because the Lord showed me something that it's not just like a nice little coffee shop that makes money for the kingdom. It's a place of building community, connection, and conversations through coffee. And so the Lord is gonna do something where I keep seeing the color white and I keep seeing that that's part of it, that there's something about the branding of white. There's something about the color of white and woods and grains all being together that the Lord is saying, this is a place that he's sitting in and standing in before you even fully get there. So trust what God's put inside of you. And the pressure part of the pressure cooking is about to be over. And the whistle sound is the Lord actually bringing alignment to the circumstances so it can manifest. And Holy Spirit, I pray against uh, the spirit that's tried to abort this dream. 
And Lord, that spirit of oppression that's been on them as a family, I break it now. The warfare that's been demonically assigned, that's created confusion and made little simple processes so complicated. And we break it now and you're gonna have a signpost as you pursue some things in this next season. You're gonna keep going, wait, it just happened? It didn't take 20 extra processes? Wait, it just happened? Oh my gosh, it just happened? I would, my team's, uh, you know, my business, my, my hashtag is drama free. Your hashtag is gonna be, it became easy. So Holy Spirit, I bless that in Jesus' name. Okay, are you guys, you're, you're the, so what are you creating right now with? I'm investing into uh, land and coffee farms. Actually, my spiritual father in the, in the States He's got a coffee farm in Guatemala, and he's kind of... I saw Guatemala. That's where my best friend's from. That's so good. When I saw you, I was like, how, am I, how come I'm seeing South America? This is so weird. No. That's crazy. So we're actually going there now in like two months. Oh, you're going to love it. <laughs> I love Guatemala. It's so great. So um, what's the brand called? I'm not getting it from the spirit, so I'm just going to ask. There's like a... Are you allowed to say? Is it NDA or is it... <laughs> kind of. Okay, um, then you can tell me later. Okay. I want to hear it, though, because I... I want to hear you declare it out of your mouth because there's something about standing on what God's put inside of you guys. And I feel like, here's what I feel is that um, I see, I see artisans having their way made through coffee, through you. And I feel like the Lord, there's something about a marriage of the arts, entertainment and coffee. And I just see it over you. I see like you could have gone that route, but you're doing, you're creating a platform. Yeah. And um, this, I see this as a platform, not just as a brand. It's a platform mm. for causes. It's a platform for the arts entertainment. And God's going to bring celebrity branding behind you. So go after celebrity branding, not just that normal branding. But there's something about borrowing celebrities to brand this because there's social justice causes connected to it that they'll lend their reputation and it will cause your business to grow faster. Cool. It's one of the secret keys of God to grow your business faster. And I felt like the Lord said, you are actually one person away. And you know this from several really highly influential people. And he's now going to harvest that. He's going to bring together the network out of the net you're already in. He's going to bring it together. And you needed permission though. And when you, the permission that's going to be granted is you're not just using them to build your brand. You're using them to build the cause of God. Amen. Because the things that are going on. And I felt like God was, he showed me, uh, keys in your hands as business owners. He showed me keys. It's when Jesus spoke in Matthew and he said, you have the keys of the kingdom and what you shut will be shut. When you open will be open. And you're going to watch one of the major coffee empires in this land fall. That was the hipster cool coffee because of financial failure. And you shouldn't rejoice that they failed, but it is out of corruption and it's out of uh, bad management that they're going to fall. You're going to watch it and it'll be a signpost that not only is there room for you, but the people are thirsty for what you're bringing. They, they, they need a replacement that has better quality and value. Uh, the second thing I saw is that when you go to Guatemala, God is going to show you, he's going to introduce you to a new type of coffee processing that you've not been involved with before, that you guys didn't consider before. There's something that's emerging in Guatemala. I'm saying this prophetically. I don't know if it's there. I'm saying it prophetically where I, I know it's there, not because it's natural. There's an emerging process in Guatemala on some organic farms that you guys are going to link to, and it's going to actually be, um, it's, it's going to take what normally took a longer process and a faster way, but still produce the quality. And the Lord saved it for you guys to connect to. He's hidden them 
and they will be in recession without you because he's hidden them for you. So when you go there, whatever you're meeting with now is going to expand. It's an expanded purpose. And even your spiritual father guy doesn't know about it. Like he's going to go down there and y'all are going to be surprised with, oh my gosh, this is better than we thought. This is the land of milk and honey. Mm-hmm. We're, we're a part of a process and the way that they're um, pr- processing the beans that no one else is doing and no one else knows about. Like it's going to be that kind of a thing that should be patented and trademarked, but it's not yet because they're in Guatemala. So I just pray over you right now that God would use you as a signpost of success and a dream. I pray for your partners that there would be a spirit of unity. I pray, God, that even right now where they're learning how to cooperate and how to hear each other, and I pray that you preserve and have them fight for that connection so that this could be a legacy business that lasts generations. God, I thank you that you're gonna remove systems of corruption who had this space. And that you're going to position these guys for a franchise uh, kingdom model to be in multiple locations. That you already have real estate properties for them to go into that are beyond what they could ever reach. You have places that are longing for this kind of coffee, like airports that are longing for this kind of coffee. Trendy town centers that are longing for these kinds of social places. And I pray that you would give this to them, Lord, that you would give them, and even in the spirit tonight, they would feel that there's space that you preserve for them. In Jesus' name, bless you. Wow. If you guys handle this right, you're going to be a worldwide brand. If you handle it with the Lord, if you walk with the Lord in this, it'll be a worldwide brand, not just a South Africa brand. Bless you. No pressure. Go ahead and sit down for just a minute. Oh, that I could pray for all of you. I'm not Heidi Baker, though. I'm not saying the two in the morning, but I love you. Um, the man who was painting up here who painted this picture, where is he? Is he around? There you are. You are so precious. You are so amazing. I just felt like as you were painting here and as this, I love this because it just reminded me of the garden. It's one of my favorite themes in the world is back in the garden where Jesus is. It may not be what you painted it for, but that's what I saw. I felt like as you were standing up here and as you were painting this, that God the Father was saying, thank you for standing and occupying a space that was not developed or, or a quality space while you were occupying it. But because of you, you're gonna see a legacy of new artisans being raised up that's gonna shock you. And the Lord is about to put artwork from people you're one part removed or maybe they're people you're friends with or maybe they're just right, they're your friend's kids and they're gonna have anointed artwork that's gonna be in governmental businesses, they're gonna be in hotels, they're gonna be in places. And when you see that, it's gonna be overwhelming because you're gonna hear a lot of people who are placed. And instead of feeling like, I wonder why that never happened fully in my lifetime. Some of that happened, but not fully in my lifetime. And And instead of thinking that way, you're gonna think, because I occupied a space and I held ground and I built a well of anointing over the arts in this, in this nation, this is my inheritance. You're gonna feel the inheritance of God over what you've occupied. God is so pleased with you. And I, I talked to um, these guys just briefly. I was like, who is he? He's so precious. He's amazing. And uh, Lisa said, she didn't tell me what it was, but she said, there's some physical struggles. And I petitioned the Lord for you. And I felt like the Lord told me back. He said, I'm going to help sustain his health. And I'm going to help him have a full ability to paint and to thrive and to be able to walk the places he needs to walk, to be able to be mobile. I'm going to help him do that for the rest of his life. And so you stand in faith for that because it's going to help your mobility. 
for the rest of your days because he wants to give you you're a treasure and he wants to treasure your ability to get to people and places and to be able to say things that you're supposed to say and to be able to paint the way you're supposed to paint. So there's some sort of healing that's either coming on you or is gonna be coming on you or I think it's progressive where you're gonna feel where there's been a degeneration, you're gonna feel regeneration, even over your eyes. There's something that's gonna come on your eyes to make them more clear. Like when you were, I feel like it's a Caleb thing. Lord, from the first day you promised this, I feel that way. I feel like a young man in my spirit. But now you're saying it wasn't really about you and your career. It's about the space you held in the spirit for a movement of artists to be born. And the Lord credits you with being a pioneer and a forerunner, forefather. So bless you, sir. Um, just as I end, and I, I, I normally have a lot of more words of knowledge and things. I'm just not flowing that way. But I have a word for the church and I'm gonna give the real word for the church tomorrow. But I wanna say this to the, all the friends of the church who are visiting I just feel like um, there's, the, Jesus said, you know, the, the harvest field is ripe, but ask for the Lord of the harvest field to, to raise up the laborers. And I saw the, the gathering angels, the angels that gather laborers, the angels that gather the ones who are ready, the angels that gather ready-made leaders, people who are already on their own journey of development. And I saw a fresh gathering point, and I saw it in four main areas, but I felt like, I, I felt to say it tonight instead of tomorrow on this part. But the first area I saw gathering anointing in as business leaders. And I feel like the Lord's putting um, um, such a business anointing in South Africa and because you guys are recognizing it, it's gonna multiply through you. And it's not just the young starters. There's about to be some significant people who have not found a spiritual home. They've been spiritually homeless and they're gonna be with you guys. And the Lord's gathering them to be here and feel family and he's gonna show you how to treat them. And it doesn't mean they're special or they have, but there is a protocol to it. The second type of people I saw him gathering, I saw him bringing the company of artists, artisans. And so I saw um, there's a worship collective he's gonna raise up. It's not a worship team, it's a worship collective. And I feel like you've had prophecies about this before, but it starts now. Like you're gonna start collecting them. And when Bethany was on stage, and I, all your people on stage were all great, but um, when Bethany was on stage, I, I sat there and I saw, I saw something of her. I saw as a young, pure woman who was easy. She's just grace-filled. She's like the easiest person to be around. Zero drama. Like if you talk to Brian and Jen, she's their easiest one. She's like, she's the golden child because she does no, she's just no offense. I mean, like you're just awesome. So, but I felt like the Lord said, I'm bringing artisans of character who don't bring disruption to the church, but they bring disruption to the world. And so there's artisans and they're cross-cultural. So they're not just made for the church here. They're made for outside the church as well. And so I feel like you've known this, many people have sown words into this, but this is an activator word. This is a word that says, now's the time. Part of your breakthrough is gonna come through the musicians that God releases you and through the artists that God releases you and their presence, not only with you, but their presence outside of you. And the Lord's bringing something that's very significant here. And I'll tell you the two other areas tomorrow, but I felt to say that in front of the greater group that there's, there's four areas of breakthrough and two of them are business leaders and a worship collective, a worship and arts collective that's coming that's both internal and external. And I feel like the Lord's saying that he's now activating the word that this will be an apostolic resource center. You've already done it really well, but it's gonna be amplified to where you're gonna have to have a plan for the local and the translocal because he's saying now is the time to relaunch the translocal in its fullness. And you're gonna have a capacity given to you that will feel so natural. It's not like you have to make a 20 point plan. It will just be a natural capacity where people are gonna say, can we join you? And you'll, you won't be able to say no because of the love. 
So there's going to be a joining, a spirit of adoption, a spirit of joining. And I felt like what we were talking about earlier, that there's a, I just felt like the Lord was saying, this is the time for this to be an apostolic resource center. And there's curriculum to train the kingdom of God and the nations that is going to come out. How many of you who go to this church have thought you're going to write books? Look around. I need you to look around. This is only the people in here. I'm going to ask again tomorrow. Look how many people think they're writers in your church. Raise your hand really big. If you're from this church, you think you write books. How many of you just who are visiting and people who are here think you're going to write books? Do you, this is not normal. Do you understand that? This isn't normal. Books are dying. The fact that they want to write books is faith. That's not, I mean, maybe Bethel has that, but there's not other churches who have that. There's a movement here to bring curriculum and pilot programs to the nations. And I feel like you've known that, but there's something about a vehicle to bring distribution to the dream of that. And one of that is writing. And one of that is art. And one of that is music. And there's these distribution dreams that you've had that are actually God dreamed first. And I feel like it will be a signpost and I was supposed to speak it more than just your church that I was supposed to speak that it's coming because we're gonna watch it activate. And five years from now, people will remember this meeting who were here and they'll be like, oh my gosh, how did God do that much? They lived dog years each year in those five years. So much activity happened. How did they have that much? And other churches are gonna be like, we're failing. How come you're succeeding? And you'll be able to impart curriculum. You'll be able to impart kingdom values. You'll be able to impart ideas and strategy. And I feel like your leadership team are strategists and consultants. And you're gonna attract a lot of influencers and coaches. And how many of you are coaches that are part of this church or wanna be a coach? How many of you are like, I know I'm called to coach success or coach ministry or coach something, justice. Raise your hand. How many? Raise your hand really high so they can look around again. So you have 30 coaches that want, they wanna be coaches or they are coaches. That's also super abnormal. So it's good to point those things out spiritually because they're here and God's gonna use this as a resource base to coach and equip and train and give faith and vision. So I wanted to bless you with that in front of the group because there's something shifting. This is a turning point. Something happened in the Kingdom Come Conference that's a shift for you guys. And instead of experiencing the warfare later, you experience it in advance. Now you're gonna experience the breakthrough later. That's a word from the Lord. You're gonna experience the breakthrough now. You had all of the, the enemy tried to preempt it. He's not gonna come and um, do that kind of stuff. The Lord's not gonna let them. So watch that because things are breaking through. The enemy was scared. God's not. He's never lost a battle. I don't know if you know that. He's never lost a battle. And so it's all gonna be good. So everyone stand up one more time. Thank you for enduring in your faith in the heat. I told uh, Daryl that about 30% of the places we go to, the air conditioning breaks down. I don't like that. My team thinks it's a sign. I think it's warfare. I like air conditioning. Um, but thank you for enduring. I want you to put your hand on your heart. Lord, anything that we have to give, give it. I pray that you release it now, Lord. Anything, especially with Revelation, bring Ephesians 1.17, God. We want to know you, Jesus, in your fullness. So bring Ephesians 1.17. And Lord, I pray that I would leave a deposit tonight for all those who were hungry and came, whether they got a word or not, whether they felt touched or not. I pray that they would have a deposit, that they'd have dreams, visions, encounters, and be shocked at how clear they can hear you inside their own head. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys.